putting together their acquisition team, if, if need be. So those are some of the things I'm trying to do that up front. We've had clients that, that really didn't initially think about putting together some sort of partnership with contacts they had, but at the end of the day, they ended up doing so because they were able to acquire businesses that are a lot larger. Many Amazon sellers think business growth is the same as sales growth. But if you're smarter, you know e-commerce businesses are sold as a multiple of profits, not of sales. So if you want to build a sellable business, you need to grow profits. And to grow profits, you need to cut waste and increase profitable sales. Our new quick assessment helps you identify your biggest Amazon profit killer and what to do about it. Go to AmazonProfitQuiz.com. That's AmazonProfitQuiz.com to get your free instant diagnosis. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven, and eight figure Amazon private label sellers. Today, we're talking to Stephen from e-commerce lending. Stephen Spear is a veteran of the lending space and his company, ecommercelending.com has lent over 300 million to e-commerce businesses. So there's huge wisdom here. We're talking today about how you might want to acquire a business using debt, which is certainly a topic we've never did discuss before. So Stephen, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me on. So give us a flavor of what we're discussing. I know you've got a story about a Texan business owner that was looking to add on a competitor. So that, that might be quite instructive to get a, our heads around what we're talking about here. Well, oftentimes, uh, you know, it's in the online space, quite a bit of our clients are looking to, to acquire businesses. And, and in terms of the example I gave you earlier, we had a business in Texas where they had an opportunity of acquiring their competition. And it was very much a kind of a plug and play angle. And their actual, their comp competitor is actually bigger than well. But that's one example of being able to grow one's business. And oftentimes, it's a situation where you have economies of scale, the businesses are run essentially the same. So you can really get growth through acquisition as opposed to trying to do it on your own. And oftentimes our clients are what I call acquisition entrepreneurs. They're acquiring businesses, acquiring things, putting together a portfolio of businesses. Typically a businesses, Michael, that are run very similarly, where it's software. One business is a service-based business. Another one is more of a product-based business. But generally, the businesses do match up and uh, that's what they do. They grow them and they uh, eventually they sell them as a whole. Makes sense. And I guess the obvious reason for doing it is what speed of growth or is it just that one of the sort of actual motivations for people who do these kinds of deals? On speed of growth, you're not having to recreate the wheel. You're buying something that's already in place and then growing it from that standpoint, obviously. And also when you combine businesses and grow that way, generally the multiple increases on your exit, it's probably already known. So it's a good way, it's a good strategy to ultimately grow a portfolio of businesses and then eventually exit with all of them. So it's interesting that I'm used to talking to Amazon aggregators with the mindset and on behalf of people who own individual businesses. I suppose what you're saying is why not become the aggregator and put together a bunch of businesses of similar type. So you get economies of scale, you can quotes, plug and play. My understanding of speaking to aggregators who are honest, at least in private, is that it's not always as plug and play as that. I guess that's not your problem because you're not the operations focused guy, but is that, 
Is it really as plug and play from your sort of outside perspective? From what we see, but there's a little bit of difference between aggregators and what I just described. Let's just say you have an FBA business and you're wanting to expand that business by acquiring other businesses. That's a little bit different than being an aggregator and say, okay, all right, let's start buying businesses. Another thing is that generally aggregators, as we were finding out, might not know exactly how to run online businesses. And whereas if you're already running an online business, you know the landscape and acquiring something that's going to be run relatively the same way, it's a lot easier than just coming in from, from the outside and just acquiring businesses and then putting together a team that way. Interesting. So I guess what you're saying is that we actually could do a better job of rolling up businesses than the aggregators if we have that e-commerce operating experience, which makes a lot of sense. Right. It's just not... It's a very bold thought for me, but actually there's no reason why I shouldn't do it. Okay. The next question then, assuming that we desire to do this, and it's certainly, I can see why it would make sense once you've got your head around it. How we get a, how do we get ourselves in a position to do this? Because presumably lenders aren't going to lend to just anyone when they're trying to acquire a business. Like what are they, how do we get in a position to do this? In the That's a really good question, Michael. Most of our clients come to us before they start their search and we pre-qualify them as a buyer. And then now they know the parameters and they go out and start searching for businesses. Also, we have, we're very well positioned to know what businesses out there are available, even if they're not technically for sale, but we also assist buyers in that respect where we become their buyer agent. And uh, for example, we had a client interested in outdoor, outdoor furniture products. We happen to know of a seller of or someone that would consider selling outdoor furniture, we're able to play matchmaker and consummate the transaction. But ultimately, it boils down to pre-qualifying that buyer. And what things do we look at? We look at personal liquidity. Also, is the buyer putting together a team, meaning is he going to have partners or is she going to have partners in the acquisition? We lay that out for them and then they start their search and we help them help that businesses that they're looking at or interested in, make sure the businesses themselves qualify for financing. Okay. So this is like the other side of the previous episode where we talked about as a seller, making sure your business qualifies for financing. So you're talking about the buyers, the acquirers are making sure they personally, or that their business, the acquiring business buying company qualifies for financing. And then the other right. side of the equation is they acquired the target businesses. That's the jargon also needs to qualify financing. Is that right? Do those things both have to stack up or is it is one or the other acceptable? As I mentioned in a previous episode, um, unlike when we acquire a property where it's ultimately was a buyer qualified to buy that property, in business acquisition, the buyer has to qualify and the business has to qualify for financing, so separately. But we take care of the first piece up front and as a buyer begins to whoever search, we assist in vetting the businesses that we are seeing looking at to make sure the business itself qualifies for financing. And sometimes businesses don't qualify for financing and they're not going under contract or under letter of intent and then realizing six weeks later that the business itself doesn't qualify for financing. We do that up front before they get to, before they move forward with any potential acquisition. Nice. So what I'm understanding is you pre-qualify the buyer. So it's a bit like if I'm going to go shopping for property, like a, a house to, to buy either to rent out or something, which my wife and I did a while ago, we know roughly what size of deal we can look for because we've got the financing pre-agreed and also that the sellers will take you seriously if you say, yeah, the financing's in place and we have this much cash. 
And then you guys also save the buyers wasting time by making sure that the properties they're looking at, i.e. the businesses, are actually lendable, basically. Is that right? Correct. And also sellers, especially these days, much money full of space. They want to see a letter that they're qualified for financing. And that's one thing that we provide either with directly with to the seller, or if there's an intermediary involved, a rental broker involved, we'll provide that letter to that business broker. So that means wasting time. And then again, if it's a search for a business and, and searching for a business is not easy. It takes months. We're able to that business and as the buyer, businesses at the buyer it's I imagine that anyone you can help with the matchmaking and the search, all those awkward parts. I remember speaking to a guy who's a private equity background in deal making. He said, in private equity, I have a saying, making deals sucks. One of the things, just a final question before we start to wrap up. What are the other things that a potential admirer, business owner, shall we say, somebody who wants to acquire other businesses, needs to start putting into It depends this? on the price point, but the things that we looked at in business acumen, and we look at personal liquidity and if they don't quite have the personal liquidity, they need to think about, okay, maybe I partner up with somebody who may have more liquidity than I do or something like that. Really putting together their acquisition team, if, if need be. So those are some of the things I'm trying to do that up front. We've had clients that, that really didn't initially think about putting together some sort of partnership with contacts they had, but at the end of the day, they ended up doing so because they were able to acquire businesses that are a lot larger and get a lot more return on their investment than if they went solo. Yeah, I guess that's just a general rule of business and life, isn't it? That equally, that suddenly you're dependent on the quality of your partner and partnership and yeah. They say you can't do a good deal with a bad partner. And by the way, you're often the bad partner. I can certainly look about my business career and, and guiltily admit that. So, and I guess there's something you can also have a quiet word with your client about, right? Whether the suitability of some business partners, is that something you also get into private um, conversations generally about Generally, stay out of the partnership discussion other than just recommending. You might be in a situation where one person has really good business partner, uh, business acumen, but might not have personal liquidity. So who could you bring in that has that liquidity and not necessarily has the acumen? So we'd strategize around that, but we don't get specific and we're not interviewing people to, we don't play match partner matchmaker at all. Well, that's something we shy away from. Yeah. But, very. Yeah. I always feel getting involved in partner arguments is coming between a married couple argument. So, well, out of that discussion, for you, having had multiple discussions over the years with the clients, you've got partners, <laughs> but never the general point that. And bringing somebody in. And so sometimes sellers, Michael, they try to bring a partner giving up equity. 50% of, of something a lot larger could be, you could quite a bit more return on investment, wanting 100% of something. Oftentimes, partnership or somebody with somebody that you don't, but oftentimes, partnerships is one strategy. That, that really works for a lot of it. It makes sense. And I think ultimately any significant size businesses involve, if not exactly partnership in the formal legal sense, multiple actors, shall we say, people you help out a team in the broader sense, you've got to have an accountant. You've got to have probably some kind of advisor on marketing and branding. If you're serious, you've got to have some people who know about it than you do, because I'd be amazed more than a supply expert and so forth. So yeah, in the end, it takes a village, they say, doesn't it, sort of, to, to put these things together. The other thing that we really tout here in e-commerce lending, we help, we help quite a few 
It could be accountant. It could be so certain tax strategies in place. It could be a due diligence business. They're able to move forward on due diligence very quickly. So we often tell that the most of our clients need to build an acquisition team to make sure they do. Yeah, right. that totally makes sense. And that's not the same as giving up ownership or equity. Is it? That's just about being willing to be humble to admit you don't know enough. And but in talking of which, just remind us what you do for people who are potentially wanting to apply most businesses using lending and debt as part of the picture. Ultimately, they could reach out to me at Stephen at ecommercelending.com and Stephen with PH at ecommercelending.com. We'll set up an initial consult, probably, and then we'll start a dialogue. And that's where we start with our clients. And again, we generally do that well before they start their search. Makes sense. And all I would say to anyone who believe it's like below $500,000 enterprise value upwards of the US or in English speaking countries, around about $5 million enterprise value. And if you're not sure what your enterprise value is, get in touch with Stephen. And I would just say this, talking to an expert does not oblige you to work with them. You can tell that Stephen's kind of relaxed guy. He's not going to lend you a lot of money overnight anyway, because that's not how it works. So I would just say talking to an expert and educating yourself exactly as we're trying to do right now, it is always when you're dealing with big numbers. Stephen, final thing to say is thank you so much for education. Thank you for coming and educating us on this fascinating topic and what I think is an amazing opportunity for the right people. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.